what you get angry about actually tells a lot about you. Yeah. About what you care about, mm-hmm. your values. So even just personally, if you think back and just think about the last couple of times you got angry, what was that about? What does that say about you? Yeah, we usually give ourselves kind of a pass on it because usually, you know, we we misidentify it when in reality it's our own pride that's being injured. That's usually what makes us angry. That's right. And then we so, try to justify yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but usually we get our anger gets stirred up when there's an idol that's been messed mm-hmm. with, a child uh-huh. or a job or a, yeah. yeah. Here we see Jesus get angry and it does say a lot about him mm-hmm. here in Mark chapter 11. Yeah. So you're listening between the lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior. And, and uh, you want to, you want to, I'll, I'll get I started. I started one. last time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Mark 11, one, as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the, at the Mount of Olives, which is right near Jerusalem. So just a little outpost outside of Jerusalem. Jesus sent two of them on ahead, going to the village over there. He told them, as soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that had no one had ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say the Lord needs it and we'll return it soon. The two disciples left and found the uh, the colt, which is, the, it's not a horse colt again. It's a donkey colt. It's a young donkey standing in the street tied outside the front door. And I do think that's important just to point out that it's a donkey because mm-hmm. kings would ride into towns on a horse to show power and might. Jesus, I, you know, I, I, I can't say this that. for sure, but it's almost like he's making fun of it with this you know he just comes in riding a colt is is borderline ridiculous sight but sure. he's also sending a message yeah and, and at the same time it was a miraculous because this was a a colt that had never been ridden and anybody who knows anything about horses you know that the first person that's going to try to get up there if there's not any training done ahead of time they're going to get bucked off jesus just gets up but he's in control over nature so the disciples found, uh, left and found the colt standing in the street tied outside the front door. And as they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing? Untying that colt. And then Jesus, and then uh, they said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. So it's just, just like Jesus had said. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. So rather than having a saddle, they just threw their clothes, their outer cloaks over it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. That was typical for the honorary welcoming of a king into town. And others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields, which again showed the that was symbolic of victory. Yeah. Jesus was in the center of, of the procession and the people all around him were shouting. So we call this Jesus' triumphal entry into the city. And I, my thinking is he is actually offering his kingdom to the people of Israel, knowing that they're going to reject him by yeah. the end of the week. Yeah. But this, in a sense, is him offering himself to them as their Messiah. So Jesus was in the center. They, they were shouting, praise God, blessings to on the one to whom comes in the name of the Lord. We know this as Hosanna from other versions. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. There again, I think he's offering himself as this Messiah. Praise God in highest heaven or, or Hosanna in the highest heaven. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. And then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. It, it is important to note that he went into the temple, looked around, left, and he's going to come back the next morning yeah. and he will be angry. And well, and that's important to point out because it's not like he loses his temper. It's not like he sees something and just it just burns and he just loses control. And he can't control himself. He sees yeah. what angers him, but he says, now's not the time. Sometimes we have to do that with our anger, right? Yeah. Now's not the time. I'm going to come back and we're going to hit, we'll get this tomorrow. 
The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So as he went over to see if he could find any figs, and there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Now, there's going to be a lesson in that as well, but let's move on to verse 15. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. So what's going on here, Junior? Yeah. Why, what's he so upset about? Well, later on, he's going to say, you know, this place has been turned into a market. There's a lot more to that. I think yeah. sometimes we think like, oh, there's exchange of money. And so that's wrong. And in fact, we've had some people get kind of upset because at the bridge, you can buy coffee. They're like, well, that's money changing in, you know, in a church. It's like, that's not what Jesus is getting at. What's going on here is that all of this market, all of this commerce has been blocking, is in the court of the Gentiles. So the one court where you can welcome in new people into, into God's midst, where they can see um, God's people worshiping, they had blocked that with commerce. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is upset that they're not allowing the Gentiles in. Yeah, yeah. All right, so he stopped uh, everyone from using the temple as a marketplace, and he said to them, the scripture declared, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. The, the key there is all nations. That's what you were talking about yep. there, that it was supposed to be a place of prayer for all nations, but they they were just trying to take advantage of people with the way they were selling because people traveled and they they couldn't bring their animals. I mean, it was difficult to bring animals for sacrifice with them and traveling, so they would wait and purchase the stuff there. It was a little bit like being at Wrigley Field and yeah, getting or an a airport. Coke you know? Yeah, yeah. And it, you know they've got a captive up charging because so. you can't bring it in. You want to pick up in verse eighteen, Junior? Yeah. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and his disciples left the city. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you curse is withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say, that, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Now, again, this is not a PBS, you know, if you believe it, you can do it, rah, rah speech. This is all about who you put your faith in because nobody has, from my understanding, has moved a mountain. <laughs> yeah, nobody has ever picked up a mountain and thrown it into the sea. So why did Jesus say this? And he he's speaking in symbolically, but also he he's using an exaggerated expression, which is what he did a lot of. Jesus himself didn't pick up any mountains and send them into the sea. Yeah. But he's talking about the power of truly believing in the right object of faith, and that yeah. is really depending on God. I tell you, you can pray, it's verse 24, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Again, the same, same paradigm that we're using mm -hmm. with the mountain. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So forgiving in prayer is a huge deal. Yeah, your prayers mean nothing if you are holding any kind of anger towards another person and being unwilling to forgive yourself. Again, they entered Jerusalem, and as Jesus was walking through the temple area, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders came up to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right to do them? I tell you by what authority I do these things. If you can answer one question, Jesus replied. And Jesus often answered questions with questions that was mm -hmm. actually taught in... Yeah. in um, 
would have been tell, you know, uh, synagogue school. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? Answer me. Now, he knew that he kind of puts them in a difficult spot because if they say, well, in fact, he says it right here. They talked among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe John. But if we dare say it was merely human, they were, we can't say that because they were afraid of the people would do because everyone believed that John was a prophet. They finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Yeah. You know, if you don't have to answer me, I don't have to answer you. Yeah. Well, I do love <laughs> it that. wasn't the right time. I love the lesson him. that Jesus is teaching here because there are times where I kind of feel backed into a corner. It's like, I have mm-hmm. to answer this or I have to respond to this. And I think Jesus just kind of freezes up by saying, you don't have to. First off, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. And second off, you you don't necessarily have to answer for everything. Mm-hmm. The answer yeah. to God. Yeah. Well, we got uh, Psalms now. Let's go over to Psalms. There's Psalm 23 and Psalm 24 is in the daily reading plan for today. And they're both great and very well-known. Psalms are familiar to those of us that have been around church world for any length of time. Psalm 23 is that famous, the Lord is my shepherd psalm. Psalm 24 starts off with, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all of its people belong to him which is a great reminder to us at all times that everything belongs to God. Everything is his, and we can take credit for nothing that we have, that we have ever gained, that we've ever worked for, that everything that we are able to enjoy, that it belongs to God. And if it's in our possession at this time, it's just on loan to us from him for a time. But ultimately, it all belongs to him. It does. It does, and that affects how we treat it Mm -hmm. and how generous we are. Yeah. All right. What's, well, the, uh, the, what's the international? This is a serious one, actually, and mm-hmm. I do like that we're going to talk about it for just a second here. It's Human Trafficking Awareness Day. Mm-hmm. This is a big, big deal. Human trafficking is becoming worse and worse in our society. You know, and I don't understand why this is the case, but you know, I I'm actually been doing a lot of research on social justice issues uh, just these last few months and what's going on in the social justice world and. And I don't get it, but for some reason, human trafficking is never mentioned in those circles. In fact, when you start bringing up the problem of human trafficking, sometimes you're accused of trying to change the subject. But I don't know that there's an evil going on anywhere in the world that's worse oh, yeah, yeah. than this problem. Yeah. In fact, it was just happening in our backyard. I mean, not literally, but yeah, in, yeah, our, in our backyard yeah. here um, just last week. It was a girl, 11-year-old girl from Indiana was kidnapped by three adults and in fact, my wife and I, we were up in Wisconsin, no name town, Wisconsin, just had a little water, indoor water park Barneveld. with our girls, Barneveld, <laughs> Wisconsin. And they stopped at a quick trip. And thankfully, the police officers nabbed, nabbed them and um, were, they were, were able to- taking f- this little girl yeah. to Iowa where they were going to yeah. sell her. Right. And that happened right across the street from the water park that, that we were at. Yeah. Um, and it just like, it's those moments where I'm like, I just, I have very little grace for human traffickers in those moments. I'm like, I, I couldn't have been a cop right there because the three adults would have been dead. And, and maybe that's sin, but I look at Exodus and God has a pretty severe take on people like that. I don't think we realize the magnitude of this problem. And I think every one of us as Christians ought to be compassionate about this issue right. and doing whatever we can about it. These are innocent children. And, and you're right. God takes this very seriously. He does. All right. Well, then that can anger us because as we saw today, and <laughs> yeah. Jesus got angry yeah. about what happened in the temple. So it's things like human trafficking that should anger us far more than us not getting our way today at work or with our <laughs> spouse or our kids not getting their way at school. Right. Um, the stuff that we should get angry about should be the stuff that angers God. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, 
Make it a good day today. God bless. See you tomorrow.